Yo, 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 what's happening, y'all? We got another episode of Strange Happenings for you. I'm your host, Mikey. And of course, as always, Buff's very excited. Let's go. Uh, Bright and Shotgun, Bub, the co-host. And tonight we have Stoner in Master Control, Stoner the Loner. Uh, Disbro's on a shoot tonight, but we wish him all the best. And uh, he'll be back rocking. He was... It's got uh, his master control. Pretty shot much made you. every single batch recording we did. We've been batch recording, guys. Yes, we have. And uh, we've been we've got another five awesome episodes in the can uh, just this past weekend. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. Uh, well, you said five, and I was like, well, we did more than five. You meant we just did five more. Five and I was more. Like, yeah. Round two. Yep, there we go. Round two. It was like I was at the bank account, and they're like, sorry, Mr. Randley, you we only have five. And I was like, no, no, we have more than five yeah. in the can. Yeah, we've, we've been at it, so we've been some getting at it. really, really great episodes coming up. Uh, Monday, we're going to be premiering our episode with Jeff Ferran from Strangeology. Oh, yeah. He has some awesome personal stories. He's great. Shared a whole bunch of stuff with us um, and got to kind of peek behind the curtain with all the stuff he's doing with Strangeology, which is dope. If you guys haven't heard of Strangeology, Instagram, YouTube, uh, podcast, content creator on TikTok. He does a lot of great stuff, so... Um, yeah. Um, that's going to be coming out Monday. Uh, the premiere is 9 p.m. Monday, and then the audio version will be released at 1 a.m. Yeah. So there you go. What was I going to say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I had anything. No worries. Nope. Well, you guys can always find us. Uh, first of all, what's happening in the chat? You guys right. are rocking. We got Cryptids of the Corn. We got Bob Branley apparently is in there. Cryptid said they couldn't wait, and I said, you're going to have to. We're getting it dialed in. Uh, Necro Mechanimal, what's happening? Born Not to Run, Man in the Clouds. Uh, Aussie Sue, what's happening? Good day. Uh, and also, you guys, definitely, if you're not already, go follow Necro Mechanimal on Instagram. Check yep. out all the um, post-show, I mean, the story yesterday yeah. uh, for today's episode was freaking amazing. Like oh. He's getting his shit dialed in stoner's dad's in there hey what's happening stoner's dad i i actually so can we just say how we were going to do this yesterday right yeah this episode Mm -hmm. and that kind of fell through and yeah thanks for uh i was actually really bummed because i was like man this is the first show i'm gonna really miss because i thought about it you did remote from florida yeah when we did a strange happenings one time i was like man i really blew it i should have packed up my laptop and like (laughs) no i was like i didn't put in the effort no but then it, you know, fell apart, what have you. And it was like, we're going to get it to it tomorrow. And I was like, yep. yes, yes. Like I'm pumped, man. Yeah. We haven't done a strange happenings in a while. That's what I was going to say earlier. You know, we haven't put out anything in a while, but lo and behold, man, people are still checking out a lot of our episodes, which I think is great because there's still a lot of meat left on the bone. There's a lot of hours yep. out there to listen to and consume and watch. So, um, you know, but yeah, we have definitely put together a lot of stuff here lately, yep. but, yep. um, yeah, I was bummed. I was like, man, I'm going to miss this. It's a really good episode. Well, it worked out. We were going to have uh, Ross Tyson, who was yeah. our episode 10. Some of you guys re- might remember Ross from early episodes, <laughs> yeah. the first episode we did of 2023. And uh, we live streamed that. Ross had some great kind of weird paranormal stories from his childhood. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like a paranormal therapy session. But, it was uh, great. <laughs> uh, but we actually, uh, actually are partnering up with Ross and his Room 228. Yeah. Kind of creative now. Network uh, that he, that he's starting. He's a has a few of his own podcasts, and so if you notice some of the branding around uh, our basically our YouTube page and, Sp- and Spotify or Apple, um, you'll see that Room Two Twenty Eight logo. That's what you're uh, that's what you're seeing there. Is we're partnering up with Ross, and and he's a creative director. 
just create a powerhouse, really. And um, it's going to try to help us get some things in order and just, you know, keep our heads focused a little bit and maybe bring in some of that yeah. outside opinion where we're just so focused on what we're yep. doing. You know, I think it's going to help us kind of just have a little bit of a breather and somebody yep. sees things that we can't because we're in the thick of it daily, yeah. you know, just heads down, just. Yeah. I think that's really the big benefit or one of the cooler benefits too. Yeah. And uh, he hit us up a few months back and was like, dude, watching what you guys are doing with the show. I love it. Like, hey, let me take you out to lunch or coffee. And I got, you know, something I want to pitch you. So let's talk about it. And and we we chatted and uh, thought it was a good fit because there are a lot of little projects like show intro and YouTube trailer and some of these video projects and Mm -hmm. and things we've been putting on the back burner because we're just hustling. Um, but some of these kind of trying to keep the wheels turning satellite the projects on. that we've been wanting to get to. Right. Um, so Ross can be helping out with some of that stuff. Yeah. I'm and, looking uh, forward to it. <clears throat> yeah. It's going to be sweet. We're super, super excited. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, as always, you guys can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, the Facebook group, Strange Road Hitchhikers is rocking and rolling. Uh, this, we always keep our live streams and premieres yeah. ad-free. Great way to support the show is uh, the super stickers and super chats are available. Uh, we appreciate the heck out of all you guys for sharing, commenting. Um, the comments have been on fire in, in YouTube. Comments have been It's righteous. been tough to keep up, but, you know, as always, we try to get back to you guys. Um, and then you guys can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere you get your podcasts. Please review that, share that uh, if you enjoy the show. But uh, tonight, we got a really, really great episode. Uh, wait, first of all, am I missing anything? I want to ask one question. Yeah. If anybody can give us an answer, what's up with Seattle? You guys know I've been obsessed with Seattle here. Yeah, lately. let's talk about Seattle for a little bit. I shout out to all of our shout out to Seattle, all the listeners, everybody in, in Seattle. It, it, I don't get it. I'm not mad about it, but I find it so interesting. Like we're on, you know, the other side of the country, basically in Ohio, but like in Seattle, I'm seeing like. I don't know if more people out there like talking about it, sharing it with each other, doing things like that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, you know, there's this little smolder going on or something, but like that, that, right. that section of the country is, if there's a wildfire for us right now, it's definitely starting out that way, which is totally cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. You know, I just thought it rained a lot out there, so I right. didn't expect it. Right. You know? Right. But yeah, that's my only mention. That and I did P90X this morning. <laughs> I went fishing and I puked like 90 times. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's still the caught health some program fish. you want to be on. <laughs> wow. I, I thought get, it was a good one. I get some one. walleye, right? You, dude, I got, like, I, I got like four or five pounds of walleye. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's time to eat some walleye. Anyhow, hell that's yeah. me. That's it. Man in the Clouds did mention the uh, Shrum Mountain shirt yeah. on there. And so, yeah, this is, again, part of kind of the proof of concept for some merch and some stuff that we got cooking. Um, we're still kind of tinkering away and figuring out, you know, what kind of material. Kirby and, and the Island of uh, Misfit Toys. Are, yeah, we're still getting the shirts right. Wrangled. Yeah. I mm-hmm. like it though. I love the designs. I like some of the like just kind of simplistic, but just some of the iconic. It's a stoner special. I love it. Yeah. And this little TSR next to it. We're it getting there. Our old show, uh, Strange Road Detours, where Bub and I did a kind of a deep dive research style episode, more like what Crypt is at the Corner, some of those podcasts that, you know, research. But we did a, a few of them. Yeah. And, uh, but that was our little logo guy. Yeah, it was. The, the Adina, the little buddy. Yeah. But, uh, um, and also, Necro had a comment about doing video in Spotify. Right. So what we did actually did a deep dive on that and figured out that to do video on Spotify, you actually have to port your entire show 
everything, audio, the whole platform, completely over to podcasters for Spotify, which yeah. used to be uh, Anchor.fm. Okay. So basically, we can't run our RSS feed server and Spotify at the same. So you can't just upload a video to Spotify. It's not that easy. Yeah, you got to go all in. They kind of want to get you. Yeah, we've been looking into it and Let's talking to some other podcasters. And um, it seems like a lot of the people that are in Spotify are previous Anchor.fm users. Or, you know, there's some good shows that have video we'll have on Spotify. Yeah, it's always an, always an idea. And definitely keep our eyes on yep. it, you know. Try to try to keep everything as user friendly as possible and available right. everywhere. Right. But uh cool. Yeah, and anything else we need to talk about? I think that's it. Dan Aykroyd, if you're out there, you're probably not watching. <laughs> but Dan, if you're out there, just so you just all know, you know. <laughs> one of the episodes that's coming up, guys, is Bill Homan from the Mitchell Hedge, uh, who's the caretaker of the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull. Yes, he is. We met him a few years back. Let's do it. And we finally got him on the show. We, we were supposed to uh, have an episode with him back in March. Things kind of fell through around the spring equinox. Uh, but Bub has been completely obsessed with hitting up Dan Aykroyd. I'm obsessed. With it. If you're listening, I want Dan to have this experience. We chatted with uh, Dan uh, with Bill, Bill about the steward, you know, you know, bridging that gap to Dan Aykroyd Dan. and him. Come on, Dan, because why? He's got the he has the Mitchell skull Hedges crystal skull. Some lady who used to be associated with Bill probably turned you off from the crystal skull years ago. It's fine. Come back. They want to talk. But hang out. He's talk got to a him. You can have a little sit down, drink company. some tea. Yeah, he's got Crystal Hell, uh, Crystal Skull vodka. Right. Dan Aykroyd does. Yeah. So it's amazing too. Like the look up his vodka, how he makes it in the process <laughs> too. Bub, it's not just it's not just some like gimmicky vodka. Like Dan Aykroyd's a cool dude in my Bub, book. If I think Bub he's gets cool. a hold of Dan Aykroyd, we're buying you a steak dinner with whatever whatever you need, bud. If I get a hold of Dan Aykroyd, I'm retiring. <laughs> That'll be my first and last podcast <laughs> no, no, with Dan. No. Be here's a crystal skull. <laughs> I don't even want an autograph. I'm just glad you got to see it, and I'm done. And I'll eat the steak dinner. <laughs> the episode would be you just staring at Dan Aykroyd the whole time, not talking. It'd be great. It'd be great. <laughs> that's my only. That's my only addition. Sorry. I'm glad you like. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, we got massively sidetracked already. We, I can already tell this is going to be a great show. Four Not to Run's got a bottle of it. Oh, nice. There we go. All right. Is it good stuff? I hear it's he good. He hasn't opened it. I think it's vodka. I'm not a big Tell you what, guy. that's it. That's one of the first things I'm getting when I actually have money for it. I'm getting a bottle of the Crystal Skull vodka, and we'll put it in here. Right. Then we'll hit Dan up some more and be like, look, we're serious <laughs> about this. Cabinet? That's right. We've got a lot of bourbon over there, no vodka. I get out the Ouija board and contact Dan. No, no, no. I will. I'll call him up on the Ouija board. I called his talent agency. <laughs> they wouldn't put me through to him. <laughs> I did. The girl True on the story, phone. Folks. The girl on the phone True was so story. confused when I was like, "Hi, I'd like to talk to you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get Dan Aykroyd in contact with the guy that has the real crystal skull. Yeah, can you put me through, sir? No, no, we're not gonna put. I you tried. Through. I tried. I did try. Keep that trying, bud. That's all I can say. And our boy. Pion, I was saying Jesus. something to him, and he sent me that number. I said, already tried it. <laughs> he <laughs> he tried was like, call this number. I said, no good. Direct, already called it. Direct number to yeah. Dan but Aykroyd. Anyhow, so again, sorry, Dan, you're out there. We need you. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so I think we're going to start off the show, kind of lay the foundation. Everybody's been talking about this Peruvian alien attack down in this village, uh, Iquita in, in Peru. 
and it, it's all over the place. But, you know, there's kind of official statements that have come out. Uh, we're going to do our best to kind of go through this. But it's, again, one of these things like the Las Vegas uh, UFO crash, another seven-foot-tall alien in, in the backyard that ended up not really getting verified. It's fun to, it's fun to talk about, but the videos are, are tough to see anything. Yeah. But we're going to watch them here. If Stoner, want, if you want to cue that up for us, brother. Yeah. <clears throat> this is that uh, Telemundo was really on the front of securing all this footage. Um, oh, but so what's going on here? Will you narrate? Anybody listening? Yeah. So when you listen to this later, if you listen, because there's a lot of video going on here, a lot of flashlights shining in eyes right now. So it looks like people with headlamps out in the uh, jungle. Yep. Countryside running a brisk pace. And now they're standing around. And, and this clip right here, this guy's actually calling out to the government yeah. and saying, hey, there's these seven-foot-tall giant alien creatures. We need help. We need somebody out here right now to pretty much help us. Um, you know, there's a report that this uh, one of the guys in the village shot uh, – took two shots at one of these things, either went right through them or bounced off of them, but they were trying to shoot these things and they just wouldn't die. So yeah. this happened over a couple weeks, I believe, where, you know, basically uh, night after night they're being harassed. So, uh, and then it's also connected to kind of downstream a little bit, um, this story about the these ETs being face peelers. And so that'll kind that's of cue interesting. Up this next video yeah, that's of uh, a why, gentleman. Why, 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 why would you peel a face? Research. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the cattle mutilation phenomenon. Fair, a little bit. You know what fair, I mean? They take like fair, the lips off of the, the cow or they'll take around yeah. the ear, but it's like perfectly precision yeah. kind of scalpel work or laser of some, co of some sort. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know how okay. all this is connected. If anybody in the chat knows more Action. about this, I mean, it's really, really tough to find the original videos because everybody and their brothers already has is covering this right yeah, now. Yeah, and kind of so, done a reaction video, and it's yeah. tough to find them and sift them now. Probably. Exactly. Okay. Um, so what's next? Is there another video? That yeah, we're this is a short okay. that I found. That Sweet. And this is the so face. Oh, this these the villagers face. had basically found this guy on the shore, but they wrapped him up in some kind of big banana leaf to cover him up because it was freaking out all the villagers and the people around. So these guys are walking up here. They flip this banana leaf off this guy and they're pulling him up. Here this guy trips and he falls and then boom, you kind of look at the face of this person and that's good. We don't need to see anymore. It's pretty graphic. Mature audiences only if you're watching, if you're going to be watching this, it's pretty bizarre. Um, and so how this is connected with, if it's the same village, if it's, you know, like I said, downstream a little bit. Um, so this article, that was grotesque. Yeah. Pretty strange. That looks strange. But again, it looks like this kind of precision cut. It looks like uh what's that movie with Nicolas Cage where he's the face ghost, ghost writer. Oh yeah. Go face off and ghost writer, <laughs> but both, but you can like rip his face off. Yeah. It's just that face off skeleton. So you mm -hmm. said earlier, like Skeletor in his hood. Yeah, Skeletor without the hood. <sighs> yeah. So, Can I tell you what song I was hearing in my head, or at least the rendition I was hearing? Barbie World. No. Oh no, we got a jet pack to Peru. <laughs> Something like jet pack down to their Peru. Aliens get higher. 
<laughs> like Electric Avenue, but like, I, I want to go down in Peru because that's where out in the streets. Um, well, out right in now, the daytime. This this area here is is having some having some problems. I'll tell you what. Wow. I just want to know what the truth is. Out of all this, you're if never this, gonna know. You're I'll, never gonna find. I'm out. I'm gonna tell you right now. If this becomes a dead story and nobody ever figures it out, it's the Las Vegas backyard. No story. No, it's not you because know. if it's gold miners or something or whatever's going on. Well, that's what we're gonna get into. So. Uh, it is the, a bad actor. The Daily Daily Caller gets a quote from uh, the prosecutor uh, that's down there kind of investigating this case. So this is from the, the Daily Caller. Prosecutor reveals that the green aliens in Peru were really just gold miners. Okay? I get that. So a report published Wednesday revealed prosecutors while hunting for a green alien who was reportedly attacking members of the Loreto community in Peru, villagers from the Iquitu tribe who live in the Alto Nene district of Peru, begged the military and government officials for help in August. They claimed seven-foot-tall green aliens were hunting and attacking members of their community. Wow. The alien were masks, aliens were masked and caught on video chasing children and others around the area, according to La Republica. So those videos we just watched, the problem is, is that they're just, first of all, at night, shot on iPhones, you know what I mean? There's not like some kind of a FLIR camera. So when you're you're shining up into the trees, this thing, these things are in the dark. I couldn't see anything in those videos. Personally. Sure. Like, I don't know about you. I didn't see anything necessarily. But again, like we're watching on playback here and who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'd I'm have to be watched. there for a lot of this stuff. I'd have to be there. Right. Anymore. I feel. So the prosecutor investigating the case, Carlos Castro Quint- uh, Quintanale was reportedly indicated the aliens are actually illegal miners from Brazil and Colombia. Okay. The outlet stated uh, the miners were reportedly brought to the area by organized crime syndicates to help with the illegal extraction of gold. Okay, so uh, legal mining in Peru is believed to pollute many natural water resources as and has been linked to the deaths of both people, animals, according to the outlet. These illegal immigrants were using high-tech equipment like jetpacks to attack and scare the local residents, per La Republica. One resident reportedly saw one of the aliens descend from the air in an attempt to kidnap a minor, a story the prosecutor says is now verified given his findings. Hmm. So gold miners got jetpacks? This is what I'm saying. Like, the, that's a pretty, like— the thing is, one of the photos that I found was this video. I uh, could see maybe if they were like those like private security, like ex-military marine, like Blackrock, Blackstone guys, like, right, you know, right. go do private security shit. If but, they got them in there and gave them jetpacks and they're like, hey, go down there and scare these guys. But I'm not saying Colombians and Brazilians couldn't do it. Money. What I'm saying is just like, it doesn't make sense. That's a big LARP. That's a huge LARP. Yeah. So that's kind of the official government statement of, of what this is. But if you look at that screenshot from this Why video, would, yeah, I, I could, again, it's so hard to find the original yeah. videos of any of this stuff. It ends up being a screenshot that then gets turned into a meme or sent around the net. But it's kind of the silhouette of a being up in the air with yeah. these big, giant, circular yeah. cog shoes. And that was the source of them flying is what these villagers had talked about. You have a picture so of this? I don't. No. Oh, how did no. you see this? This is what they said. This is just from like scrolling through well, Instagram and, and stuff like that. I mean, but okay, so we know that there's jetpacks out there readily available, Yeah. right? We know they're maybe not commercially available to the public, but we know they're out there being tested, being made. There's all variants too. Like, yeah. you know, this is one arena of life that you could actually be a home enthusiast and make your own jetpack anymore. <laughs> 
Not kidding. Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar yeah. used to make his own jet car. Yeah. Lots of people do that. There's one guy that makes like tricycles and races them yeah. out in the desert salt flats of uh, right. Utah. Like puts rocket engines on all mm-hmm. kinds of things that shouldn't have a rocket engine. But what I'm saying is it's possible the tech not, Again, people are, that's how these things are being made, mm-hmm. the private sector too. But so, hey, those gold miners are no joke down there. You hear about those stories in the Amazon where— That's a big LARP, though. I think you, they would just flex up, muscle like they always would, just bring in why guns would, and— Why would you pretend to be Why would you just go aliens? to a wreck house? Yeah, why wouldn't you just come in and just strong arm everybody and take over the village that's instead of normally having happens, these right? fake attacks where now you're spending money on these jetpacks and right. you know Kevlar armored suits? I mean, they're shooting at them. Nothing's happening. That, see that doesn't make sense. That doesn't, that doesn't make that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Nobody's going out and larping that hard. Right. Not for gold. Are you doing that? Right. Your boss tells you, "Hey, we need this mine. Here's your Kevlar suit and your jetpack, Mikey." Right. You might take some fire. Right. <laughs> I assume a jetpack would make a lot of sense. One on one podcast. What's up, Juan? I like it. I like the name. Hey, what's happening? One on one. Welcome. So yeah, Iron Man LARP. You're right, Born Not to Run. It is an Iron Man LARP. Yeah. Tony Stark. Tony LARP. Fun Ah! fun story to cover. A lot of, you know, but the whole thing is is that a ton of people witnessed this and reported these exact same things. That's why I said. And it's just a really, really wild story that again, we'll never probably ever understand. Well, let's keep our ear out. Maybe there'll be more about this. I mean, if anybody's down there, if you're close to this story, if you know anything about it, maybe just push something our way. We'd like to keep a Hold Keep an uh, ear open. Jer- Jeremy Corbell and George, those guys. Are, George Knapp. George Knapp are down there George right Knapp. now investigating. <sighs> Man. Um, yeah, we can move on. You want to move on to the next one? Sure. So yeah. I, I, I just want to preface by saying, so now that we've had the Grush hearings and the Fravor and um, oh, what's the last name? I'm going to Ryan this. Graves. Graves. Thank mm-hmm. you. Now that we've had that happening, right? We kind of alluded to this and maybe we did it in an episode. Probably didn't even do it live yet, but. What about all these institutions or higher levels of institutional and thinking and regard now that all that's happening? Now yeah. they're trying to, oh, yeah, we know about UFOs, too. And we know, like, it's do you think that's fishy. happening? Something. Let me just say, though, Does since that, we've been covering, all, there's something so fishy my that's that a little bit? vibrating on, on the undercurrent of all of this. Yeah. Why they're coming out now. Yeah. It, there's just something weird about it all. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say is, like, you know— We'll see what happens. Yeah. Avi Loeb's, uh, Loeb's been around forever. The he story's has about him. He has um, been. He has been. I'm just saying, like, you know, yeah. and I feel like this article, so it came out August 7th from what it says, but I feel like this, he was Clark. talking about this earlier on too, though, but Harvard yep. scientist says he may have proof of alien life in new study and quote, we should welcome it. So this is by Jeffrey Clark um, from Fox News, published August 7th, um, coming from their website. So, um Loeb is a Harvard professor. He said Monday he may have uncovered evidence of alien life in the universe and told Americans it would fundamentally change their understanding of their existence. Well, rightfully so. I think that would make sense. Um, He said they examined an object that was moving through space, and we talked about this earlier, not outer space, right? And we'll get to why. But moving through space faster than 95% of stars near the sun that had material strength and was tougher than most rocks. So they can see what this thing's made of because... I think they can do like spectral analysis of things where they can hit it with like these lasers and basically figure out what the materials are. They'll do it on like 
meteors and asteroids going by. I might be making up a lot of this, but I think I'm actually <laughs> on. I think I'm actually on with a lot of this too, because that's how they basically can sample these without <laughs> touching them. Yeah. So how else are you going to sample this and know it has material strength and it was tougher than most rocks? You can get a density radar, a kickback, something, whatever the ping is off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm theorizing. I'm sure somebody smarter knows and it's out there, but. The professor, who is also an elected fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, explained that he could not quantify the object that he was studying just yet. Quote, what we are doing now is analyzing the composition of the molten droplets that fell off this object when it was exposed to the fireball that it created as it moved through the air. And we are getting some interesting results, but we cannot detail them until we've put them together in a paper, scientific paper, that we hope to make publicly available to everyone within a month or so. So that's why I said from that quote, this thing is going through air. That's why it made a fireball. That's why these molten droplets came off of it. Yeah. It's not going through outer space where there's mm-hmm. no air in a vacuum. Right. So this is flying through our atmosphere, dropping molten. What if that dropped on your house? Would it burn through your roof? Would it be, what if you just, what if people just found molten balls in the street one day? Or like, because they find well, they these do things, find right? Them. Yeah, uh, Cuba or is it Puerto Rico? Some one of the islands in the several islands in the Caribbean have these weird little dropa stones. Yeah, the dropa stones. And they right? have some is kind of spiritual them? connection to the indigenous, but they yeah. find them all over the place. They've been found and in a lot of places. I think ancient aliens, of course, covered it. But uh, well, and there's like been metal UFO. schlag. Yeah, and they've seen there've been UFO encounters over lakes, over bodies of water, where it looked like this metal schlag was falling off. This stuff out, right? Yeah. Interesting thing that uh, Dr. Loeb said, though, was it's not a typical meteorite, and he was exploring the possibility of propulsion. Mm-hmm. So he's saying two things. It's not a typical meteorite. So is it a meteorite if it has propulsion? So what is he saying there? It's two things, a little bit of a double entendre. It's not your usual meteorite. It's got propulsion. Well, so like, yeah. what the hell? Somebody strapped up a rocket like to it, too? It, it, there was no, a force that was It applied. has a mechanism that is propulsing it forward giving it just like an airplane it's being propelled yeah or shot out does he mean like a bullet because a bullet's not doesn't have anything it's there's no propulsion to a bullet after its initial bang i mean yes there's an initial propulsion but this thing had propulsion to anyhow you're getting way too deep on (laughs) as he says uh when asked what the proof of alien life in the universe would mean for people on earth Loeb said that it's familiar similar to finding a hidden neighbor Quote, it would mean that we have a neighbor, that we're not alone, just like realizing that when you go out to your backyard and you find a tennis ball that was thrown by a neighbor, you realize, yes, I do have a neighbor, he said. It is a discovery the likes of which would change how humans understand their place in the universe, Loeb said. And that's a basic, you know, change to our perspective about place in the universe, he said. And the next question, of course, is, is that civilization much more advanced than we are? And it would be a fundamental change. Loeb also referred the whistleblower testimony from Grush, former U.S. intelligence officer, Air Force veteran, who told Congress that he had seen evidence of non-human biological material. Overall, Loeb told Americans that the news of alien life in the universe, if true, should be welcomed. And he also said we should welcome it. It will be information that we can learn from. It will inspire us to explore space. It may make us better instead of fighting with with each other. Perhaps it will be a wake-up call for us to realize that there are more important things in life than fighting with other people. The third dimension of space will inspire us to put our resources into science, technology, and go out there. Let's get out there. I think we're getting ready to go interdimensional, (laughs) interstellar. Like E.T.? I think we're getting ready to go interstellar, not like into the fourth dimension like McConaughey into the bookshelf, but (laughs) I think... Look, look at all the, 
Dude, okay, Let, let's do a real poll here. You remember? I don't even know how many years. You remember? I remember. A couple of years ago, they were trying to see how many people wanted to go to Mars, a one-way trip. There's a lot of people. Mm-hmm, that signed up. Signed up for that. Mm-hmm. One way. Nobody's coming to get you. Yeah. So uh, how better to measure the pulse of do we want to go interstellar, interplanetary, than to say, hey, who wants to go to a rock where we're not sure if you're going to live and nobody's bringing you back home? Yeah. I, I don't think I'm doing that. No. There's a lot of people that want to. A lot of people to. would, yeah. So I'm just saying, testing the pulse of the, the species and community at large of the world, how do we feel about leaving this comfy spot, right? Well, one day, the theory is, I mean, SpaceX, their whole thing is we're going to have to leave Earth because we're going to completely destroy it and pollute it. That We're going to have to start terraforming Mars or something. That's kind of the whole goal. I just want to say... Had you been selected, born not to run, we wouldn't have gotten to meet you out at the uh, Serpent Mound event. I would have been very thrilled for you as you jettisoned towards the Red Planet. <laughs> and if you do get selected in the future, please let us know as we will we'll do a special it. strange yeah. happenings for that. Born not run goes to Mars. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get on that one. That's I would, awesome. I would not I love be it. selected. But yeah, just think about that. That's a cool little like pulse finder. Like, hey, what do we think? Anybody want to go to Mars? Like, okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Hey. Here's a good little strange blurb I told you before we went live, right? Let's give a little shout out to the uh, homeland where we came from, even though we weren't lake people necessarily until our friends got a pontoon in high school, which was awesome. Um, Funny story. They had high winds. They had some, um, you know, trees knocked around and things fall over and an eagle nest blew out of one of the trees around the lake. Grand Lake St. Mary's. Grand Lake St. Mary's. Yep. St. Mary's, Salina, Ohio. Grand Lake St. Mary's used to be the largest man-made lake on the planet dug by hand. Doug Did you know hand. that? Dug by yeah. hand. Oh, yeah. Man-made it's lake. I don't care. Nine miles wide, four miles, five miles. Dug by hand. Wide, nine miles long. The nests fall out from this eagle's nest. You got to get the eagle egg. <laughs> well, you know what falls out of there? Dog collars. <laughs> so I hate to say Lots it. If you're a resident collars. out by Grand Lake, St. Mary's, or anywhere that there's giant, large raptors, there's birds eagles of prey. Merkin, your Even terrier. if they're not eagles. If there's big enough raptors, an owl. Yeah, oh, yeah. Owl come snatch your dog up. Oh, yeah. We had owls. And you have kittens. a little seven, eight, even a 10 pound, 10 pounds, they're picking that thing up. Yeah. So just keep an eye on them. Thought that was just a little PSA, you know, safety message yep. for the people with Rose pets. 40. Like, they're not picking his tubby little butt up. They might try to get Reuben. He looks like a Twinkie. <laughs> Long little fat Twinkie dog. <laughs> oh, good boy. man. All right. Uh, so, wait, wait, you know what? There what? is one thing I did forget to shout out. Crips shout of it. the Corn's in here. Guys, giant yeah. lawn chair documentaries. Kudos. Tomorrow. Crypts of the Corn, episode one. Uh, please go to their YouTube page. Check it out. Hit that notification bell. Um, the lawn chair documentaries, Crypts of the Corn, first episode launching tomorrow. Oh, and one more thing. We did oh, forget yeah, to shout yeah. out. Uh, Mike Strayer. Mike Strayer from Moth Boys. Thank you so, so, so very much, boy. Uh, to all the Moth Boys dudes and that Mike. That book is so cool. Um, you know, Mike came on the show a few weeks yeah, back. His we had him on live. Just uh, released, but uh, the White Monsters of Sherman, New York. That's a cool book. Really, really illustration cool. and artwork and, in that is awesome. Shout, too. shout out to uh, Jonathan Dodd. Yep, from Jonathan Dodd Draws on Instagram. Yep, uh, we met him at CryptidCon. And I think we bought some of his stickers and maybe one of his posters, uh, CryptidCon last year. But um, appreciate it, guys. 
Really, really, really cool. Um, the White Monsters of New York, if you haven't heard about that story, go check out that episode. It is pretty strange. And Bub and I didn't hear – we've never heard about I've it. I've never heard the story never before. Heard the story. Like I said, the artwork from the actual uh, – the book, very, very cool. The yep. overall just effort that Michael and the team were doing was really cool to yep. bring that story to light and yeah, really kind of give it – give it down, some traction. Track down the guy that had the sighting. And they sleuthed it, Met man. his family and went out to where it happened. They put on the Sherlock Holmes hat and got oh, yeah. after it. Really, really cool story. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> they put some serious effort into that. And then uh, I love this from Man in the Clouds. I work at a dog kennel, and that is terrifying, bub. About the eagle. <laughs> hey, sorry, you just got to watch out sometimes. <laughs> Anyhow, let's shift from that to you know a happier story. Hopefully, for one man in Kentucky who found a hoard of Civil War gold coins worth millions in a cornfield, and this is not a joke, right? This guy found eight hundred gold coins that date back from eighteen forty to eighteen sixty three, and may have been buried as a result of the state's declaration of neutrality during war. This is like wild, man. Um, he dug up these coins in Kentucky, right? On June 9th, the coin dealer um, uploaded a video on YouTube of the remarkable discovery. In the video, an unidentified man can be heard identifying a $1, a $10, and a $20 gold coin that he dug up, adding that his discovery was the most insane thing ever. According to government.com, the gold coins, which have been called the Great Kentucky Hoard, date back from 1840 to 1863. The hoard consists of a $1 gold Indian coins, $10 gold Liberty coins, and $20 gold Liberty coins, as well as few, as a few, 1863 gold Liberty double eagles, which government.com said are, quote, super rare date that is scarce in all grades. The next quote, the most amazing discovery in this hoard is about 181863 P, $20 gold Liberty coins, one of the rarest dates in the $20 Liberty series. This is a coin that often commands a six-figure price. The coins were later certified by the Numismatic Guarantee Company, or the NGC, a third-party coin grading certification company. According to gov.mint.com, the coins displayed eye-popping luster, and most were graded as extremely fine to mint state condition. Upon certifying the coins, the NGC said they may have been buried as a result of Kentucky's declaration of neutrality during the Civil War. The state, which bordered northern Union states and southern uh, Confederate states, adopted a neutral position during the war, which the NGC had led to many families across the state being pitted against one another, mm -hmm. right? So Jeff, Court, Jeff Garrett, a rare coin uh, dealer and expert in U.S. coinage, was contacted to handle the find. And he said, while I'm always excited when someone calls asking for advice about a rare coin discovery, the opportunity to handle the great Kentucky hoard is one of the highlights of my career. The importance of this discovery cannot be overstated, as the stunning number of over 700 gold dollars represents a virtual time capsule of Civil War era coinage, including coins from the elusive Dolanega Mint. Garrett said, referring to a Georgia-based mint that operated from 1838 to 1861. This is like the deep cuts and of only all gold coins, of any coin. Dalanega Mint only produced gold coins. Yeah. That's like... And they've been that's like a company the, for that's like, like 200 the, years. No, that's like the Bruce Dickinson of gold years. coins. Like, fellas, fellas, I put on my pants one leg at a time like you. Except that once my pants are on, I make gold records. <laughs> like, Dalanega is the Bruce Dickinson of gold coins, right? Here's one of the best coins, uh, quotes. So, uh, finding one mint condition, 1863 double eagle, would be an important numismatic event. Finding nearly a half a roll of superb examples is hard to comprehend. 
The coins were put up for sale on the market with the gold Indian coins ranging from $995 and $1,295. So $1,000 to $1,300 for one of the coins. Um, what's the last one? According to the Professional Coin Grading Service, another third-party double-party uh, coin grading company, the auction record for a proof 1863 Gold Liberty Double Eagle is $381,000 for one Whoa, bro. Oh, my God. Man. I mean, gold, oh gold alone, God. just one ounce of gold, I think, right now is, what, 1300 It's an, an ounce. You know. Is the spot price. I could be wrong Everybody always that. goes, what's, what's gold good for? It's good for a lot of things. We use it for a lot of stuff. It's intrinsically valuable. Electronics. It's, intrinsic, it's intrinsically valuable, malleable. Mm-hmm. They use it in a lot of space technology because it's very mm-hmm. light, very heat. Re- um, I think it's heat resistance. Like doesn't conduct all of those things very well. Helps block it. I could be talking out of my left side of my mouth again. You want to go? It happens. I know. It's the caffeine. <laughs> it's the coffee. It's probably from the, the fishing double today. Espresso. I have not slept yet either. I got up at 4 a.m. You good on that one? I think we... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm ready for you to... Uh, makes me jealous reading that, to be honest. But Could hey, you imagine? Hey, you're not out there looking for stuff. I'm not out there looking for... We can't find stuff. You're not looking for it. Could you imagine? Get yourself a, you know, a little uh, beachcomber, bub. I'll say this. Kentucky might be the new gold rush. If that's not a super rare incidence that somebody might have done that back then... And it came from this mint that just over. made gold coins. So much ground to cover. Maybe somebody so went a little much. Johnny Appleseed with some gold. Just sprinkling it around like chicken feed. If I was out there near a rocky fence line in a nice tree and I dug a hole and I Say found a lunch. Say what to Are you saying the, the, the script of... Uh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you're, you're basically repeating <laughs> this. <laughs> Say Wataneo. Uh, yeah, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, Shawshank. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Kentucky Gold, ready to move on to yeah. remains found in China may belong to a third human lineage by Bob Yurka. Uh, this is fizz.org. Again, we've been co- trying to cover this stuff, and we, we've had some guests on that recently we've been talking yep. about this exact same thing. Yep. Timelines constantly getting pushed back. It just seems to be a theme right now, and here we are, another great example of whether it's the Earth maybe 32 billion years instead of 13 billion years now, or whether it's human beings have actually not been here for 50,000 years, but closer to 300,000 years, so... A team of paleontologists at the Chinese Academy of Sciences working with colleagues from Xi Tong University, the University of York, the University of Chinese Academy of Sciences, and the National Research Center on Human Evolution has found evidence of a previously unknown human lineage. In their study reported on in Journal of Human Evolution, the group analyzed the fossilized jawbone, partial skull, and some leg bones of a hominin dating back to 300,000 years ago. Jesus. The fossils were excavated at a site in Hulongdong, don't, in what is now part of East China. They were subsequently subjected to both a morphological and geometric assessment with the initial focus on the jawbone, which exhibited unique features, a triangular lower edge and a unique bend. The research team suggests that unique features of the jawbone resemble those of both modern humans and late Pleistocene hominids, but they also found that it did not have a chin, 
which suggests, suggests that it was more closely related to older species. They found other features that resemble hominins of the middle Pleistocene, which when taken together suggested the individual most resembled a Homo erectus species, and that they concluded suggests a hybrid of modern human and ancient hominid. And the old theory of, well, human beings just completely took over and killed off the Neanderthals, killed, killed off Homo erectus. Right. But it's more likely that we assimilated with them, that we Probably. interbred and, you know, which now with DNA technology, they're finding out that, you know, we have DNA from a bunch of different hominins. Yeah. So did we war and, and, and probably get a war with some of them? And But it's more likely, maybe, but it's more likely that over time we just kept interbreeding, yep. which is strange. I um, mean... Not really. I mean, but all these... Is it really that strange? Theories are getting Is it really busted. that strange? Not, is it really that strange or is it just strange because we're having to recalibrate our thoughts? That's what's Because we've already had... To me. Yeah. I don't want to say it in this way, but I do. Like, it's the whole, like, don't poison the well, but, like, our wells have been poisoned with what we think is true and accurate and our our viewpoint and our take. And well, there's that's why we, when we had, like, timelines that's what I'm saying. that are proposed where it's we know this is the timeline. This is the way it is. It can't ever change. It's written in, in all the, you know, educational. We wrote it. Right. Why can't we unwrite it They're, or rewrite it? Right. Writing it down in textbooks and rewrite it. Talk to people. Do a rewrite. Throw it out the window. Let's do a rewrite. Or, they do a lot of update. rewrites of movies and screens and it's all kinds of stuff. A, I'm not saying there's a movie, but let's get history. We can get history right because we don't get it right the first time all the time. And most of the time, again, it was like, you know, whoever had the most money wrote the history. Who won, <laughs> like Norm MacDonald. Good thing all the all the wars were won, always won by the, the good, good guys. guys. <laughs> yeah, Man, every war Norm in history McDonald. was always, always won by the good guy. Yeah, he was great. He was way too funny. Um, to wrap this up real quick, just in turning their attention to the skull, which oh, prior, yeah. a prior team had found to be the first ever middle Pleistocene human skull found in southeastern China. The new team uh, found that the bones in its face were more similar to those in modern humans. And this is also the case for the jawbone. So, you know, and they also said that it's not Denisovan. Not Denisovan. And so they were able the to... The old Denisovans. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of a big hot topic for a while. I'm not a big Andrew, Denisovan fan. Andrew Maybe Collins, it's just because the name's Hancock. stupid. I don't know if that's like whoever discovered <laughs> them the is the name. of it's Dennis? In, no. It's an area of Russia. It, Dennis? The Dennis, Denisova, I believe. Denisova? Denisovia is a place? Denisovia. Yep. There you go. Really? Yeah. It's found in the cave. I'm sorry, Russia. I mean, maybe it's just because, like, it sounds like I'm calling this, like, a whole group of Dennises. It's weird to me. <laughs> but whatever. We can work on the name. Um. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Timeline's getting pushed back. Push it back. Push Once back again. that timeline. This comes from sciencealert.com, and this is a big story. The most massive animal of all time may have been found in the Peruvian desert. Say what? Yeah. The most massive this animal of all times hanging around in the Peruvian desert. That's Nature, interesting. Uh, by Michelle Starr. Yeah, August 3rd. Um, so the bones of a whale that lived 39 million years ago are seriously testing what we thought was possible for the size of vertebrates. The blue whale, Balanoptera musculus, has long been considered the heaviest animal ever to have lived on Earth, but the newly discovered, oh, I'm going to try here, Parasitus colossus, 
could leave it in the dust. Measurements of its bones suggest that its skeleton could have weighed two to three times that of the blue whales. And here's a quote. We use the skeletal fraction to estimate the body mass of P. Colossus, which proves to be a contender for the title of heaviest animal on record. Um, there's a team led by paleontologist Giovanni Bianucci of the University of Pisa in Italy. Um, cetacean peak body mass had already been reached around 300, or sorry, 30 million years ago before previously assumed in a coastal context in which primary productivity was particularly high. There's a lot of P's in that sentence. <laughs> so what they're saying is coastal context. There's a lot happening very close to land. Yeah. Which, Let's take a look at that. The image yeah, do we have an image of this, uh, do, yeah. this big boy? And it's funny because if you see, the, there's one image of it, and then there's actually a comparison. Yeah, there's a comparison. Yep. And then P. Colossus is actually the top one. Um, and then I think, right, you have the blue whale in between, and I don't know what the bottom one is there. It reminds me whale. of the um, uh, the Point Lobos where we saw those elephant seals yeah. in California that time. Yeah. It's what it reminds me of. That's what I'm saying, like but with just arms. With but with a, just arms. Right. But its tail is much more flat. Right. Like they had it, well, I, maybe if they have the tail vert, I don't know what they have to assume how the tail is, but it's whatever. like a hybrid whale, hybrid seal. Sea cow. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? Manatee. Manatee. But um, the scientists wondered for a long time what limits the size and mass to which vertebrates can grow, right? Well, in the ocean, there's a little more wiggle room, right? You get buoyant, like... You know, there's big things in the ocean because that water is helping them counteract the effects of gravity that are taking place, you know, and chi- you know, cause higher stress on the bodies of land animals. So as we get bigger on the land, our skeletal frame has to lug all this around. You know, we don't get all that kind of natural floatiness from the ocean. But um, for cetaceans, marine mammals such as whales and dolphins, there's a benefit to being larger. It helps prevent core heat loss in water, right? So which is a high thermal conductivity air. However, a recent study found that even for filter-feeding whales, like blue whales, there's an upper size limit. The low metabolic cost of such a feeding strategy allows the whales to coast with a minimum amount of energy expenditure, but it's limited by prey availability. So, like, you still need enough food source, just like a bodybuilder or a weightlifter, right? You still have to have, like, a whole trough of eggs and protein powder or whatever. You got to still do all that to, like, get that big. Like, they need so a lot of food. They, they need a ton of food, but they can't spend the calories right. to chase it down. So, like, they, they had to. It's an easy, they need an easy lunch in order to yeah. survive. Yeah. So They filter a ton of water. The, you know, whales, modern whales, krill and small little plankton and what have you and filter it out. They take in they massive amounts of gallons. They were living by the coast, right, where whales and, and other marine mammals ended up going out into the deep ocean. The dolphins and the whales actually went more, yeah, like you're saying, they got away from coastal because something happened to the, you know, uh, food source for these P. Colossus. Yeah. And obviously something happened to the Peruvian desert. Where they were living, which was aquatic at some point, right? Um, But they estimated the size of this from the number of bones they recovered from southern Peru. So they had 13 vertebrae, four ribs, and a part of a hip bone, right? And um, a close study suggested that the specimen wasn't fully grown. So they're, you know, they have to guess what, you know, how mature it is, whatever. But anyhow, based on comparison with known whales, Bianucci and his team concluded and calculated that the size of P. Colossus and the estimate of its body mass were somewhere between 85 and 340 tons. It's pretty big wiggle room of how big it could have been. But again, we don't know if it was fully mature. A lot of factors. But 
being able to extrapolate that the high end could be up there, they know that it's bigger than the ever, you know, biggest blue whale that measured 199 tons. That's crazy. Or at least it has the possibility to be I even see bigger. I want a blue whale. I'll go on one of those charters. I, I would love to do that. Well, I didn't Alaska. see a blue whale, but I saw a blue whale heart replica Jeez. in the museum in Denver. Oh, wow. And it, its vessels, like its blood vessels are so big, you could slide down them like a water slide. <laughs> Like that heart, Damn. if it was here right now, it would be the size of a, a, a V-Dub uh, Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle. Wow. It's the size of a car. It would probably hit the ceiling in here. I mean, it's huge, dude. That's wild. Because that heart's going, boom. But it's only doing it like every, you know, but it's just this massive engine. Anyhow. Um, now, one quick thought I had was the geology of the Peruvian desert, right? So I wonder how many millions of years ago, because it's basically the Peruvian desert, from what I understand, was uh, created because the Andes Mountains rose probably up out of the ocean at that point. Okay. And then cut off Pulled that them part up with of the it. land. Yeah. And, you know, the desert, essentially, the, Peru, uh, the Andes are uh, a blockage for wind. So that cool air coming yeah. in, those mountains stop. So the other side of the Andes Mountains is Colder. actually where the, the desert is yeah. because all that moisture basically kind of like the Sierra Nevada Mountains does yeah. in, in Reno. Wicks it and keeps it on one side and doesn't mm -hmm. let it get over the top edge of it. Right, the Las Vegas. Holds all the moisture in. Yep. Um, so I, I'd be curious to see how old the Andes Mountains are. So if they're like around 39 million years old. Mm, okay. So they, whenever those mountains kind of rose off and cut that, so they were just cut off. Yeah. You know, completely. Yeah. Because how does a big, giant whale get into a desert? Like 39 million years. That's just fascinating to me. Because geologically, things are changing so... So it's sandy. It's the desert. It was the beach at one point. Yeah. It was the ocean floor. Right. It's a desert, but it was sand. Like, that's what was the ocean floor. So when that mountain rose yeah. up, it was like Brought smog coming out, all that gold in the layer of thror. Like, his head came out, but he's still <laughs> ensconced in gold as he smelled the big Oh, boy. Sorry. I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, we haven't a had a Lord of the Rings reference. Man, I just went deep on that weeks, one. Anyhow, so. <laughs> P. Colossus also had some interesting features. The bones showed a high degree of thickening and densification, which are features often seen in marine mammals to provide natural ballast, right? So they have huge lungs. So when they take their breaths in to bring them up, but like just like a, a beach volleyball or something, right? If it came up out of the water and didn't have like some way of keeping it in flight control, like the dense mm -hmm. bones actually help it have like some weight so it can keep itself like planing. Right. Um, P. Colossus lived in the middle of the Eocene. It was particularly rich for one of the sort of the food that the whale may have eaten, which would have allowed it to grow so large. The researchers believe that the whale was relatively slow, duh, preferred coastal habitats and lived near the seafloor in shallow water. So again, P. Colossus was being a big P. Colossus, laying on the beach. The beach rose up and Colossus couldn't get off the beach mm -hmm. and he got baked in the sun <laughs> and died in the desert. But it's that's, that's interesting. Changes in the ecology of the ocean would have been the subsequent decline is what they say, too. It's just like, you know, there's no more Pizza Hut in the neighborhood, and P. Colossus only knew how to, you know, call Pizza Hut. And so <laughs> this new record supports the hypothesis that 
Bacillosaurids hyper-specialized to coastal habitats during the end of the Eocene and that the subsequent major drop in the productivity of these environments may have preferentially impacted these whales giving way for their relatives, quote, the ancestors of present whales and dolphins that invaded more offshore habitats. So in lack of an enriched environment, those whales and dolphins said, peace, we're going to the deep, Mm -hmm. we're going to go check it out, and they went rolling hard, and that's why you have orca pods that are like, this is my orca pod. You have another orca pod that's like, this is our orca pod. Like, all orcas don't get along together. All dolphins don't get along together. It's just like chimp tribes. Like, they're like, no, we're not cool. Like, we're cool, but we're not cool. And like, we might come Human over there beings. and mess you up. We do the same shit. But it's wild, isn't it? They went from being close we're to the shoreline. We evolved. They we went... do the exact same thing. Yeah, right. Dolphins don't send emails. Well, they don't have fingers to type. Yeah. They can do other things. Do you have a dorsal fin? Can you talk to him, <laughs> Snowflake? They can't make iPhones. It doesn't mean they're not smart. Yeah. They can't make iPhones because they don't have hands. Do you have a dorsal fin? I love that part. Do you have a dorsal fin? Uh, all right, cool. We can move on. I mm-hmm. think this is the this is the last one here. Um, the mysterious dodecahedrons of the Roman Empire. These things are just really cool looking. Um, more than anything, they I just are. wanted to kind of you know show some of these images. Uh, the first of many of these puzzling objects was unearthed almost three centuries ago, and we still don't know what they were for. This is by Frank Jacobs uh, for Big Think. Can I also um, say I think this is a shout out. This was an article we got from. Uh who did of ours. I think Bryce gave us this one. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I think this is in a Mattermost thread. Thank yeah. you so much, dude. Yep. Uh, in the first episode of Buck Rogers, the 1980s television, television series about an astronaut from the present marooned in the 20th century, our hero visits a museum of the future. A oh. staff member brandishes a mid-20th century hairdryer. Early hand lasers, he opines. As the observation of how common knowledge gets lost over time, it's both funny and poignant. Because of our museum also stocks items from the past that are completely baffles experts. That's yeah, awesome. Like if you scroll down just a little bit, you can see the uh, these images. And they're looks like they're made of bronze. Um, one of the strongest clues, the map. Few are intriguing as... The hundred or so Roman dodecahedrons that we have found. We know next to nothing about these mysterious objects, so little in fact that the various theories about their meaning and function are themselves a source of entertainment. One of the strongest clues we have is this map, which tells us they were particularly popular in one corner of the Roman Empire, northern Gaul and Roman Germany, which today is Austria, Germany, um, you know, before all the, um, I guess you could call them the barbarians, right? The tribes, the Goths, the Visigoths, all those kind of tribes, those Germanic tribes. You know better than what I do on that. took down the Roman Empire. I didn't know that. So Rome used to rule everything in that area. That was part of the— There's a lot of different landlords back mm-hmm. in the day. But as Rome split uh, the, into the Byzantine Empire and the traditional Roman Empire, they completely lost control and slowly Rome started falling because all of these barbaric tribes from Germany were just taking over stuff. So you have all Wrecking these— house. Yeah, you have all these Roman artifacts that you can find all over that area. Yeah. In Roman times, is known as Gaul. So dodecahedrons are, number one, they're— if you don't know what a dodecahedron kind of in the woo-woo spiritual circles is, um, the, a platonic solid. So it's it's a part of the sacred geometry kind of 
scale of what reality is made of, if you will. So there are certain uh, shapes and uh, geometric patterns that makes up essentially reality. And so uh, these platonic solids, uh, you know, the Greeks had this. They wrote about the platonic solids. So the Romans probably got this information from, from the Greeks and so forth and passed it down. Um, so they say, what do we know? Roman de dodecahedrons, more properly called Gallo-Roman dodecahedrons, are 12-sided hollow objects, each side pentagonal in shape and almost always contain a hole. The outer edges generally feature rounded protrusions. Most of the objects are made from bronze, but some are in stone and don't have holes or knobs. The dodecahedrons are often fist-sized, yet can vary from height from about 1.5 to 4.5 inches. The size of the holes also vary from 0.2 to 1.5 inches. Two opposing holes typically are differing sizes. The objects of this type were unknown until the first one was found in 1739 in Aston, Fairhotshire. In all, at least 116 have been dug up from sites as far apart as northern England and Hungary, but most have been found in Gaul, particularly in the Rhine Basin in what is now Switzerland, eastern France, southern Germany, and the Low Countries. Some were found in coin hoards, indicating their owners considered them valuable. Most can be dated to the 2nd or 3rd century A.D. So it goes on to talk about are these toys, is it a tool, is it a calendar, um, you know, is this some kind of like a dice, part of a dice game, or, you know, as, well, I mean, as big as do, they are. They use them in dice games, dodecahedrons. I mean, you yeah, have even bigger ones than that. Though. Right. I mean, you have a 20-sided die. Right. I mean, what is a 20-sided die called? I'm not sure. But in kind of oh, your... Oh, it is a dodecahedron. Okay. That's a 20-sided. Right. Icosahedron is 12-sided. And that's another platonic solid. I'm looking at plat platonic solid. Sorry, that's taking me. You know, I thought they just discovered a new one too recently. Like, those are like discoveries they make very slowly. Like, they thought they found all the platonic solids and they're like, I want right. to say recently somebody found like the latest platonic solid. But Yeah, because the as we're like studying fractals, these dodecahedrons are a part of that fractal nature of reality where it's those shapes that as they kind of come together, when you break down matter and you break down energy and vibration, yeah. these dodecahedron isosahedrons are what they find are yeah. these weird geometric shapes. And the dodecahedron is connected with the key functions of ascension, expression, divine creation of life, and the highest form of consciousness. It can help you to raise your frequency and connect with higher dimensions and your higher self. It's the perfect tool for meditation. Besides the dodecahedron has a very high frequency this not only helps raise your own frequency, but the frequency of the environment as well. So kind of adds a little bit to, you know, were these some kind of um, secret societies, you know, divination tool or, right. you know, who really knows? I just thought they looked really cool. They're it's very cool. Story They're very it. cool. Yeah, the story's great. I mean, it's super interesting. <sighs> there you go. The chat's on fire, by the way. Bub, I love when Bub reads the chat. He just doesn't. You just read it, but you don't actually read it out loud. <laughs> I, uh, sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I don't read them all out loud, but this is a good one. This is a good episode. Yeah, good stuff. So funny. Um, yeah, so, you know, like we said, uh, Cryptids of the Corn, Lawn Chair Documentaries, 
Go yep. check that out. Uh, by the way, I'm wearing the Vin Tesla hat. I know. I want one of those. From uh, our buddy Joel Thomas. JT. Kill the Mockingbirds. And uh, by the way, guys, we had Sean Chris on from Kill the Mockingbirds. That was fun. So that was keep fun. an eye out. That's one yeah. of the recordings we did in the last round. Shout it's out to Sean. Episodes. He's the man. We had a blast hanging out with him. Um, you know, next time we got to get Joel and Sean in studio. We're going to yes. make that happen. That'd be great. Um, that'd be epic. Get the Mockingbirds to meet in Columbus. Yep. As they say, get your butt, butt cheeks tight, <laughs> as they like to say. Tight. <laughs> Cryptids, thank you guys. You are always welcome. You guys rock. Yeah. Some stellar people there from Ada. Heck yeah, man. Ohio, got to represent. That's right. I want to get up to one of those pancake socials sometime. <laughs> I do. I love breakfast. Let's get up there and get some pancake, bacon. Absolutely. I invite myself for breakfast, but I'll bring something, I swear. Yep. My wife has a bunch of blueberries. I'll just steal those. Yeah, we Anything? got some of those. Those are good. Oh, dude, they're so good. She yeah, went, I she think went again. I think we're good, man. Uh, I'm good. You know, you guys can hit us up Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We got the reels, the shorts, the clips, all of the, the stoner has been crushing it. Yes, Editing, he has. posting. Um, you know, we're back at it. We've yep. got a lot of new content. Uh, started with the Cryptid Huntress. And then James Willis, now Michael Strayer. Wow. So go check that out on Instagram and TikTok. Feels like years Um, ago. The YouTube clips. Doesn't it? You know, we don't get a lot of views on our clips. No. The clips are great. Hit or miss. I'd love for YouTube to pull some of those in the algorithm because they're great. And a lot of them are, you know, five to seven, eight minutes long. So if you don't like to listen to the whole episode, go check out our clips. We do, what, four or five do a few from every, every week. episode. Every episode, we so do a couple. It's a great highlight if you don't have time to listen or watch the whole episode. Try to give you a little like some of our favorite, hopefully like highlights our or like moments, moments or yep. you know conversations or talking points, and kind of give you a thread of you know what's going on in the shows. You know um, what? Maybe the reason why our clips don't do well is because we never talk about our clips. We don't talk. This about is probably our clips? the first time we've ever mentioned. I didn't know you had to clip. talk about clips. <laughs> Is this something we have to do? Sure. We got to come out of the clip closet. <laughs> yeah, we're always talking about our clips and reels and and shorts, but the clips don't get any. We never love. mention our clips. Yeah. I, it's like a whole Brady Bunch family of audio video stuff of like you got the podcast episodes and the clips are upset because the reels are getting more, you know, and TikToks, TikToks killing TikTok's it, TikToks cooler Instagram. than Instagram. <laughs> it's like if I wanted to write some like messed up story, I would like write yeah. a story about all these social media apps It'd and be how like, like a coming Instagram's of age upset story. at Twitter because yeah. Twitter's trying to get a steak dinner and. Twitter can't get the steak dinner, but TikTok's just like murdering it. And it's amazing. It's just so funny. Yeah. That's how I literally keep a running tab of what's going on is like, I have like a game yeah. of Thrones of like the strange road happening. Yeah. It's entertaining though. I will say, and we appreciate each and every one of you listening, watching, liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the things that yeah. we really appreciate rate and review, man. Give us some pointers. We get some not too flattering sometimes, but Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Hey, at least I'm aware. You tell me I talk a lot, I'll say I know. Yeah, there's been some scathing ones for Bub. I'll take it. And it's just hilarious. It's all right. I love it. I think it's We can high-five it out in real life, I'm sure. Yeah. We can high-five it out. Yeah. Anybody can high-five it out. We got nothing but love for you, haters. High-fives. Nothing but love. Uh, yeah, this was a fun love one. Everybody. Hope you guys had a great time. The chat was on fire tonight. Thanks to everybody watching it. this live stream. Thanks to anybody listening, yep. watching, share, like, subscribe, do all the things. You guys know. We appreciate it. Peace. We're out of here.